Good morning and welcome to Faithbrook Church. I'm Chrissy Thompson, our Children and Family Director. I'm so glad you're here with us, whether you're in person or online. Thanks for joining in. And if you're a guest, a special welcome to you. Well, if you're newer to Faithbrook and you'd like to know more about us as a church, we are offering our discovery right after church, right here. Um, you could meet with Pastor Jim and you get to hear about who we are, a history of us, a little bit about our vision and mission here as a church. Our vision here at Faithbrook is to lead people into a new and thriving life in Christ. And some of those important people are our kids. So here on Sundays, we're able to offer an amazing time for our kids to learn about Christ. They do activities, they can do crafts, and um, they get to commit scripture to heart. Um, my four-year-old comes home and he can say, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Psalms 139 verse 14. He knows those words. He can commit that to heart because of what we do here on Sunday here at Faithbrook with our kids. All of that would not be possible without your giving. It takes money to purchase our curriculum, our materials, and even our staff here. So thank you from the bottom of our hearts here with Faithbrook Kids. If you would like to be a part of our vision through giving, you can do so through our Church Center app. Thank you so much for your generosity and pushing our vision forward for leading people into a new and thriving life in Christ. Well, let's now welcome our lead pastor, Jim Comfort, as we kick off our series, DNA. What do you love? How many of you love a good seasoned steak, right? Just made just right. Maybe you really love some boiled shrimp dipped in melted butter. Mm -hmm. Does that get you excited? Or how about a good book? I'm sure many of you uh, love your family tremendously. Some of you love the outdoors. Some of you love the arts. You know, for myself, I, I, I love the outdoors. I, I, I love sports. I love learning. I love seeing people being developed and growing in, in their faith. And you could kind of say, whatever you love, whatever you're into, it's kind of your DNA. Well, there's where we're going this next couple of weeks, talking about our church's DNA and hopefully your DNA that is inspired by God. I'm Pastor Jim, so glad that you're worshiping with us. Maybe it's your first time, second time here. Uh, welcome back and, and welcome. Maybe you're viewing us online, uh, wherever you're at uh, God bless you. Thanks for viewing us. Well, DNA, the experts tell us, it's what's encoded at conception of a life. Before we're even born or breathing, there is this development that God puts in every human being called your DNA code. Well, churches, when they are birthed, should also have a DNA code. In fact, uh, a church is a living organism, just like a baby. And how they are coded or what their DNA is should be exemplified or shown later in their life. Well, in the church of Jesus Christ, hopefully, there is the DNA of the triune God. God the Father, the, his Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And this DNA of God is part of our church's DNA, in fact, part of our mission statement should exemplify this, and that is to love God, love people, and journey together. God hopes, and we hope, that God's DNA would be successful in our church and also in its partners and its people. 
while a lot of great leaders, Christian leaders have discovered, the local church is the hope of the world. And if we do this right, if we have the, the true DNA of Christ, then his kingdom plan can be successful. Now, not only the church has God's code, but every human being has God's DNA. You have to remember that when he created humans, he created us in his image. The Genesis talks about this. Now, a lot of people might not recognize this. They're just busy in life, but God's spirit and his will is kind of implanted deep in our consciousness. Now, what's really cool is that millions of people throughout the ages have discovered this. They've come to the aha moment, and they're like, oh, I am spirit. We spend a lot of money, energy, you know, developing our intellect and our emotional life, our physical life, our social life, yes. But there's something that's never been developed or discovered, and that's when God is like, yeah, you are a spiritual being. In fact, when our body gives way and all our intellect and physical and social is gone, what lives is the spirit of God that is part of our soul. So as a result, we want to hone down this morning on the first part of our mission and God's DNA, hopefully our church's DNA, hopefully your DNA, and that is to love God. Now this is a big deal to God, to, to love him. In fact, we see a, a caption of this in the New Testament, the Gospels, in Matthew 22, when the religious uh, Pharisees, these, these high roller guys, were kind of entrapped Jesus, uh, how religious he was, right? And is he really, uh, uh, really hardcore uh, faithful in his, his faith and religion? So they ask him, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in law? Now, in the Jewish, Judeo religion and customs, right, they had over 600 different laws and, and traditions that he needed to inspire to. This is how people saw themselves as really religious. And, and Jesus says, well, the, the, the greatest is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. All the laws and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Now, this was really odd for a Jewish mind because they were just spending a lot of their energy saying, man, we've got to make sure that we show up and do this and cross that T and dot that I and, and, and pertain to all the religious uh, rituals, right? And Jesus, no, it's really a heart thing. It really boils down, all the teachings and customs really boil down to a heart thing, a soul thing. And so when Jesus says, love God with all your heart, he wasn't talking about the tabernacle and, and did you bring incenses and sacrifices? Where, where's your heart? Because the heart is the center of all our, our physical and emotional being. It, it's the fountain of what we really care about. I see once in a while on social media, a mother will say something, post a picture or something of a family, family event, and she'll say, my heart is full, right? This is what Jesus is talking about, that what we love and what we care about is in our heart. It, it, what inspires us is where our affections are. Our heart is also where we get our purposes. It's heart, heart is where we get our, our passions or our character traits. It's in that heart. But Jesus didn't stop there. Jesus said, love God with all your heart and also your soul. Now, the soul is a little bit uh, deeper. It's a little bit more mysterious. This is where the spirit resides. 
We don't think a lot about the soul, but we are made also as a spiritual being. This is where the, our conscious lays. This is where God's DNA was imprinted us that we naturally, um, above maybe the animal kingdom, know what's right and wrong. We, we feel things. Uh, there is a supernatural uh, connection that we can have with the living God if we open up that and connect our soul and our spirit. In fact, the, the word tells us that, that after our body decays, it is the spirit that, that lives within the soul that will live on for eternity. Now, he didn't stop there. He also said, love, love God with your mind, right? This is your intellect. It doesn't mean that us Christ followers, that we're just, uh, just uh, kind of stupid in our thought life, or our intellect. We're just some emotional people, right? No, this is where our thought life is. This is where our wisdom is, how we process life. He's like, love me with your mind. Be inspired, grow, develop, be smart, be wise in, in how we think. Also, he, in other translations and other places, he talks about love God with all your might, your, your strength. See, these all overlap to give us the essence of who we are. And so Jesus says, you, you want to know what really counts and what's the greatest commandment? It's not all a little ticky-tack stuff. If I could just have your heart, if I could just get as deep as your soul, and your mind together, that's what I'm looking for. That's what's so important. It's to love God with these elements in your life. Now, we, we might know this intellectually, kind of get that. But really, where, where the big question is, do we exercise our love to the Lord at that level? Uh, I, I'm not sure if we're loving God with all of our heart, Right? I'm not sure if we love God with our soul. Wow, that's, that's the depth of who we are in our mind. I'm distracted so many other times, right? Could it be that sometimes we, we love God like we love chocolate, right? Oh, man, I love chocolate when I'm in the mood. I, I, I take some chocolate, right? Or, or we love God like a good book. Oh, wow, isn't that nice? But maybe not as that level. Well, why don't we love God that, that Jesus, the Son of God, is, is calling us to be? Could it be, hey, it's easily to be distracted, right? Let, let's face it, there's a lot of interesting, uh, fun things out there to kind of get our attention. And there's, there's family events and challenges and uh, sports. And before we know, I forgot about God. I, you know, I'm not sure, right? And so were we loving him? So if we're not loving the Lord at the level that he's calling us with all our heart, soul, and mind, and strength, what can we do to get there? What, what can we do to motivate our mind and our soul? Can, can I give you a couple of reasons to love God at this level? For our church to love God at this level, and you personally and myself to love God at this level. Let me start with some of the, the, the basics of God. First of all, I want to remind you to love God with all you have because he's the creator and the provider. In the beginning, there was the word, and the word was God. In the beginning, the word and his son and, and the spirit hovered over this, this globe. And God so loved us and so loved us that he created, created this beautiful uh, environment that we have that he wants us to take care of, no doubt about it. Before we know it, man, we love creation. 
How many of you love uh, camping or the outdoors? How many of you love, uh, inspired by the birds and, and the butterflies and love hunting and there's just something about nature and the, and the mountains and the beaches? Is there something uh, wonderful about that? Well, that all comes from God, the creator. John was inspired in Revelations 4 to share this and how we should approach this. He says, worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and were created we would not have some of the most inspiring loving beautiful things if it wasn't for god he says i created it i own it and so in this creation He's also provided provisions for us, right? If there's a way that you can make a living, maybe you have some health and and a mind and you get a paycheck, you got a car, maybe you have a house, right? It's all because he created this and is giving us our daily bread, if you will. If you're fortunate enough to have some good health or been healed or God is helping you to be healed physically, emotionally, there is our creator and a provider, In fact, we see in the the word, there's analogies of this good shepherd, of the father and the son that we can trust. There's the heavenly father analogy, right? Uh, That he cares. Pastor Taylor was talking about that. He's like, he cares for his daughter. This is provision. This is the creator that that inspires us to love him. And and in in this imprint of his DNA in every human being, he gives us, and this kind of separates us from the animal kingdom, the ability to appreciate and love in relationships. Uh, there's something that we really gravitate when there's uh, friends and laughter and joy. Socially, it renews us. We, we, we love that. If we're fortunate enough to, to find someone that we can uh, be in a covenant relationship of holy matrimony and we're developing and the next time we know we're appreciating each other emotionally, we're appreciating each other physically, that's all of God. He created this. He, he made it to, into existence, right? Right and and his 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 disposition in us to know what's right and wrong in the soul also translates in our society because he created it. Uh, that human beings are like, hey, you, you just can't attack people like animals do just because you're hungry. You, you don't do that, right? But but humans are like, no, no, that's wrong. Before you know it, we can have a civilized society. In fact, God's ways. I would submit to you, give us the highest quality of life as a society and personally. Doesn't mean it's always perfect and there's not a, a negative force that's coming against us, but God's created us to say, hey, we, we can have some good behavior. Let's not lie. Let's not cheat each other. Let's not covenant. Let's not murder, right? Let's not steal from each other. Next thing you know, we got a pretty good life and that comes from God, our creator. You know, God uh, gave us the ability to appreciate things like accomplishments. How many of you accomplished something? Maybe you got a degree or you built something or you baked something and maybe you fixed up your house or mowed your grass and you're like, man, that looks good, right? I feel good about that. I, I don't think the animals are going around like, woo, Jay Charlie the squirrel. How are you feeling about your nuts this, this winter, right? No, but we do. That's all from God. And there's something about that we come around and, and we let's have a big dinner with the family. There's something in our soul that's like, man, I love this. 
This is awesome. And maybe you went on vacation or you got to walk in the park and you're, you're hearing the birds chirp and, or you went to a concert and the arts and the music and you're like, love this. That's all of God. It just didn't happen by accident. And so it, it, it helps us to be attracted to him and he's worthy of it and he wants us to appreciate that because he's the creator and the provider. More than that, I would, I would suggest to you that also the way we should love God is because he is holy. His holiness. Now, a lot of times we don't bring his holiness up. A lot of times it can be kind of intimidating sometimes. Sometimes we underestimate how holy he is. God's not like calling from the clouds, you better look out. And, and we don't feel threatened by, by God, right? And we're not even sure what he looks like sometimes on this big throne of holiness and grandeur. But we see throughout the scriptures that he is holy. One little scripture in Psalms kind of says it, well, exalt the Lord, our God, and worship at his footstool. He is holy. The Lord's prayer starts out with, hallowed be thy name. Your name is holy. It's grandeur. It's majesty. It's pure. A couple weeks ago, uh, last week, we were in uh, upstate Montana seeing our son, and they live next to uh, um, Glacier National a park where all these beautiful, pristine, rocky mountains are. And we went up there and did some hiking. And here's a, here's a picture of a valley that I went to. This is called Grinnell Valley. That's my son, Matt. He's kind of turned into a mountain man. He really kind of loves it there. And to, to get back to this mountain range, you have to walk, you got to hike like two miles. And it's probably the most glorious, precious, perfect hike through those woods, um, we were fortunate enough to see moose. You're always on guard to run into a grizzly bear or something. There was loons and there was flowers and it was just amazing. And then when you get back to this hike, this is what's in your face, man. And you just, it, it just takes your breath away. It's so glorious. It's so perfect. There's a beautiful... Uh, Waterfall, there's glaciers up there, right? And, and the water's just glassy, and there's a couple of loons, and, and it's just like unpolluted, prestigious, glorious land and landscape. I, I would submit to you, this kind of reminds us of the, the grandeur and the majesty and the holiness of God. It, it's all-consuming. It's so big, right? And if we really had a good idea of God's holiness... It would take our breath away. We would probably be on our knees saying, God, you are worthy of our praise. You, you are uh, awesome, right? Magnificent. Now, when we look at this, this picture, we're not really looking at the person. Okay, yeah, okay, there's a man standing there. But what attracts your eye is the grandeur and the, the might and the majesty. And, and, and we're kind of like the person standing there, Right? Now, if he was facing this, which he was, and was just like, this is glorious, right? I've never seen anything more beautiful in my life. And he's like, I'm going to go out to this point and take a picture, right? That's kind of like us. We can be inspired by God and love God. We're just like, oh my goodness, can't believe this, right? And then we turn around and we're like, go take a picture of me, right? And, and I would suggest to you that the more we, we turn away from God, the more we start forgetting God. And you stand there long enough uh, the picture isn't about God's grandeur and holiness. 
the picture starts becoming more like you. And you start figuring about you. And before you know, you're the center of your world. And we forget that we have a gigantic mammoth, holy God besides us. Now, fortunately, God doesn't just come and avalanche us and just crush us when he's like, excuse me, do you see me, right? And we're like, ah, we're kind of busy. Sorry, God, I forgot to love you this week, right? Do you understand the majesty and the, the, the uh, sovereignty of me? So the more we kind of turn away from God, the more we forget God and his holiness. But God is there and God is powerful and he, and he is just, right? He has the ability to control all things. He has the ability to judge us and come down on us. The Hebrew writers said, the sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God and he sustains everything by this, mighty power and his command. The mighty power. The scriptures tell us that one day we are going to face a holy God, right? We're going to have to be accountable of what we did and we didn't do and how we treated him and what was our love. And there's consequences to that. And so every time ministers or, or preachers start talking about the, the judgment and the, maybe the wrath maybe of God, we get a little bit of nervous, right? Oh, man. And, and you would think that would uh, repel us, right? Well, we don't want any kind of God like that. How dare him, right? I remember uh, feeling like I was under uh, a God when I was four or five years old. My dad was kind of like the God in our house, right? Mom was really close, right? Um, but I, I kind of respected my dad. My, my dad wasn't over heavy-handed or harsh, right? He loved his kids. He loved me, right? But here's the deal in, in our house. We knew who God was uh, physically, and that was him, right? And you, and you didn't mess with daddy-o. Right? And so if mom helped me, Jesus, if mom, dad got home from work and says, your son, little Jimmy, has been obnoxious and a little terror child around here, then I knew I had to have a meeting with God, my dad. Right? It's like, come with me. Right? And we had a little talk. Right? And all this love sometimes focused down in some consequences and some loving discipline. And my bottom is still feeling that today. Right? Now you would think, well, how dare him? Don't you, don't you hate him? Don't you want to run away from this guy who might have brought some painful things on your bottom or talked uh, firmly to you? Not at all. Well, why is that, right? Because I knew my dad loved me, right? And I knew through the spirit, he loved me so much that he didn't want me to turn out to be a big jerk person living in prison somewhere. So when I was four or five and being obnoxious, seven, eight, ten, we're going, we won't stop there. But he would call me in and say, Jimmy, I, I love you. And I'm going to have to bring down some consequences. You're going to be grounded here and grounded that. Don't mess with me. And I had a, I had a respect and a fear for my dad. But more than that, I had a love for him. And that's our God, that he has the ability. And sometimes he does bring judgment because he loves us. But it, most of the time he comes with grace and love. And part of that is, is the, 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 the powerful bonus of heaven. You know, we don't think about heaven now. We're, we're just trying to manage life. But one day, we're going to take our last breath. And what is on the other side? Maybe you've had loved ones that passed on. You wonder, man, is there a heaven? John in Revelation 7 speaks about this heaven. Kind of, kind of gives us a picture of what heaven's going to be like. Therefore, 
they all before the throne of God and served him day and night in the temple. That's what we're going to be doing in heaven. We're going to be in the presence of God. Well, I don't know. I'm not sure about that, Jim, you might say, but look what God does. He who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. His children have come home. His bride has come home. And there he's going to shelter and love. And there is going to be a presence and a warmth and an ideal that we have never experienced in our life. And, and John tries to describe this a little bit more in the next verses, talking about heaven. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. He's talking about afflictions. He's talking about turmoil. He's talking about heartbreak. When we make it to heaven, that's not going to be there. For the lamb is at the center of the throne, will be their shepherd. There's that picture again, the good shepherd. He will lead them to the springs. I love this. Springs of living water. Here, come here. Drink up. It's glassy. It's pure. It's refreshing. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There's so much heartbreak and pain in this world today. And one day, Christ says, it's going to be done. It's over. Come home. You're welcome, child. Is this attractive? Is this something that, that deserves our heart and our soul and our mind? And more than that, probably the most exciting things is God's amazing grace. God's amazing grace. You know, let's, let's go back to that, that picture of my son and he's married to Amanda and they like hiking a lot. And, and let's say they go out to that Grinnell, beautiful uh, valley, right? And, uh, and they had some snacks and some lunch. And l- let's just say that they say, well, I'm hungry. And they break open their, their uh, sandwich wrappers and they eat their sandwich. They just, they just kind of throw the sandwich wrapper over there. And then they eat their Dorito chips and stuff. And like, that's done. They throw their chip bag over there. And, and you know, the backpack is it's kind of torn and ratty and old. You know, it's heavy. I'm not taking this back. And they just sling it into that water, right? And they just kind of trash and pollute the place. Now, in your heart, you'd be like, what? You can't do that, right? How, how offensive that, that would be to pollute that pristine, perfect, holy place, if you will right? How dare they would ever think about that? My friends, can I submit this to you? This is kind of what we do with God's DNA. We pollute God's DNA that was imprinted in us by sinning and trashing. We're so consumed with ourselves that we don't think about what God thinks. He's all around us. His holiness is all around us and in us. And yet sometimes like, ah, I'll do what I want to do. I think this is fun. I think this is good for me. And we just don't even think about him. And before we know it, we're polluting him. And God could bring the avalanche. God could bring the judgment. But God's grace holds, his, his judgment is held back by his mercy and his grace. And grace is the unmerited favor of forgiveness and reconciliation. The apostle Paul tried to communicate this to the, the, the people in Rome when he said, by God's, but God demonstrated his own love while we were yet sinners. In other words, while we were yet polluting God and his holiness, Christ died for us. John 3.16 talks about, for God so gave his son that if anyone would believe and understand that we need repentance, we need atonement, we need to be forgiven. And God, amazing grace was demonstrated on that cross and on that cross, his blood was spilt, and that blood had the ability to, to cover. That's what the word I mean, atonement means. 
that if we would repent and own that and see that God would be willing to forgive us out of his amazing, gracious, reckless love for us, he did that. My friends, this is why our church exists. Now, the most, no, most people don't connect with this. They, they don't care, they not make a big deal to this, but God's calling us just like God called his son to come and die for all the, the people who are far from God and sinned, that our church would help awaken people to this need and his, this incredible, amazing grace. You know, six, seven years ago, when we were wrestling with the fact of, of starting this church and building this church, there was a lot of risk. There was a lot of sacrifice. We were on the edge and, and God would, would help us and encourage us. And one of the things he did for me was just bring me to this, this scripture, Acts 25, that really is a, is a scripture of our church's heartbeat. And that is when he said, I'm sending you to them. In other words, Jim, create my DNA in Faithbrook. I need you to go on this corner because there's going to be thousands of houses that are building around here. There's going to be young families that are moving in, trying to manage their, their kids and their marriages and their relationships and their morals and stuff. I'm sending you to do what to help open up their eyes and turn them from the darkness, the darkness into what? The light and the power of Satan. I don't know if you believe that there's an a, a, a evil force out there that we're battling to turn them from the power of Satan to me, to God. So they may receive what? Forgiveness from their sins and a place among those who are sanctified. The, that word means that, man, you're all in. That you're just kind of like set apart to say, man, I love you with all my heart, soul, and mind and strength. That's what I'm asking you to do. So, so I would submit that we have all polluted our souls. I have. I, I, I know that I have sinned. I know that, that I can't, whatever I do, I can't be clean enough, good enough, right? Go to church enough, right? Be, be a good person enough. I, I might try, and most people try to do that until I come to that connection. It was like, oh, that's what the cross is for. That, that's what God came for. I, I just can't clean up my pollution enough until God said, I'll clean it up for you. For I'll go on the cross for you. And if you receive my grace, and if you make that decision to put me into your heart as the first place in your Savior, I will guide you and walk with you. Maybe it's been a long time since you made this connection. Maybe you're like, oh, I, I, I didn't realize maybe I, that I've been a decent person. I'm not killing anybody and not doing drugs, right? But maybe I have polluted God's DNA. Maybe I have just offended God and offended other people with my words my actions, my thoughts. And God's been there the whole time in his holiness and his love. I just didn't turn around and see him. And maybe this morning, maybe you're watching today, maybe it's like, oh man, I, he's been watching me the whole time. I, I, I am guilty. I, I need his atonement. I need his forgiveness. And, and today could be that day where you say, Jesus, I'm so sorry. I polluted your goodness and your love and your holiness. Forgive me. See, ultimately, Faithbrook's DNA is to help people love God more. To help people love God more. And we're excited about this. We get jazzed about this because I know that when we make that connection, I know when we love God with all our heart, soul, there's some benefits. There's some blessings that come our way. For example, when we are made right with God, 
We are cleansed from our heart. The sin is gone. There's something that purifies us wholly. The Bible says we are a new creation. Now we've got the same ugly face maybe, right? We've got the same problems at work. But inside there's a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And this Father God says, yes, finally, you're letting me open up that spirit that you were born with in the first place to develop you and work with you and transform you. By the way, I'm, I'm going to give you some help through the word of God. So how to, how to work with difficult people, how to deal with stress, how to deal with grief, how to deal with your marriage, raising kids. It's all in here. Some principles, some life-giving promises to guide us in everyday life. And before you know it, this Holy Spirit gives you this inner strength. It gives you this confidence. And when the, when the darkness comes and the valleys comes, there's comfort. There's assurance. And when we need to know what to do, there's wisdom. There's uh, 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 some promises to help navigate all the decisions in our life. In fact, I'm kind of a connoisseur of, of people and I read different articles and stuff, and I, I, I've run in quite a bit that says, you know, researchers have found that those who are um, committed to their, they would use the word religious life, right, or the Christian kind of traditions, find that these people, on average, have a better marriage, they have a better, they're more generous, they have a better joy in their life, they even live longer, because that was imprinted before we took our first breath, while we were babies in our mother's womb. God says, yes, I want you to have a great life. I've imprinted my DNA in you. So that's why we're passionate about these three things. Love God, love people, and journey together. I know it's not easy. Our world is not really in love with Jesus. Our world is not clamoring to come into churches and say, man, I'm going to love God with all my heart, soul, and strength. But it doesn't matter. God still is calling us to love him at that level. God is still calling us to love him more than we love chocolate or a good book. God is still calling us to love his church more, more than just like we love a restaurant. Oh, we love that place, and we'll go there when we're in the mood, right? But to, to buy in and to go forward. And the stakes are high out there, my friends. We do all we can to help people love God because God wants us love. And when we worship, when we, when we um, offer a, a campus and we offer an environment, because we know that life is tough. You're up against it. Things aren't always perfect out there. But when you walk on this campus here, hopefully there's going to be someone opening up the doors. Hopefully there's going to be some smiles. There's going to be someone who says, I don't care who you are, where you've been, uh, where, what your, your past is. We love you and accept you because this is a place of Christ. That's why we put a priority on, on our coffee and our guest experiences, right? And our children's ministries. We want you to uh, let your kids go down the hall, right? Have a great experience with some volunteers, praise God, that when you can come and just relax a little bit, it's like, whew, okay, I need to be reminded. I need to be replenished. And also, I want a place to love God and worship around uh, Faithbrook is so important to us, right? Because life is hard. I, I kind of close with a, a, um, an article I saw the other day that the, the title caught my eye. And the title of this article was, America is Burning Out. America is Burning Out. Like, whoa, okay. And as I read, I could understand their point. Because today in our society, people are so overwhelmed with so much noise 
there is tension and conflict and wars and inflation and uncertainties and there's changing and we're just going at it, right? Just trying to keep up. And here's this Jesus that says, come to me all who are weary and burdened for I will give you rest. I love you so much. I've given myself through the cross on you. I would like for you to love me back. And one of the ways that Christ gave us a way to love him back was through the, the holy elements, the, the sacraments. Today, as you walked in, you were, you were given a chance to take one of our uh, communion cups. And many of you know that the night he was betrayed, he had a supper with the disciples, the last supper. And after they ate, he, he took the bread and he gave it thanks. And he tried to explain to them that the bread would represent his suffering body. And any time that we take the, the cup and the bread, we're really worshiping him. We're really remembering. We're really proclaiming his suffering and his soon return. Before we take these elements to worship him and to love him, I just want to pause for a moment and, and give you a chance to pray. Uh, maybe someone's been watching, maybe someone's sitting here and say, Jim, you know, truthfully, I haven't been paying attention to God. I've just been so busy. Truthfully, there's been some things that I've been doing, thought, said that were ungodly. And the view of God's holiness, I probably have polluted without even knowing it, maybe. And, uh, I feel God calling me back to him, asking me to trust him and make sure that he's the savior of my life. Um, would, you, would you give everyone a chance to kind of just pray a prayer of repentance and renewal? I, I'd encourage you to take the bread in your hand and just hold it, the cup, reminding us of um, his sacrifice, atonement, and just kind of follow me in your spirit as I lead in this prayer. If you want to say this prayer with me in your spirit, I invite you to do that. Gracious God, I'm so thankful for your beauty, your creation. I'm thankful for your holiness and your provisions for my life and my family. Father, help me to appreciate more and more your grace and your love for me. Father, you know where I've polluted you. You know where I've been reckless and far from you. I own that this morning. I'm gonna ask by faith, God, that your drop of grace would fall on my soul fall on my heart to cleanse it from all impurities and sin. By faith, God, I'm going to ask you to forgive me and receive what that preacher is talking about and receive what that Bible talks about, the supernatural gift of forgiveness, grace, and mercy. I receive that by faith. I need that. Help me to live worthy of you, God.
Now we take this bread and remember the cross and the suffering. Let's love him by taking this with all of our heart, soul, and mind. With our eyes closed, we're picturing that cross, the suffering crucifix of Christ, blood pouring from his brow, his body agonizing and blood from his hands and feet. That blood was shed for you and me. He had a vision for us. He has a vision for your kids and your grandkids through that cross and through that blood that we would wake up to the very nature that we were even given life to honor him, to reflect him, to love him. So let's receive in remembrance of his, his blood on the cross. Let's take it together. Now I invite you to stand as we close. Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you for this time that we could focus on who you are. Thanks for reminding us of your holiness and your provisions, your heaven and your crea- uh, creation. Help us to live in your grace, God. Help us to receive that and be about your mission, God, in our hectic everyday lives. We love you. We need you. We ask these things in your name. Amen.